VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. The Volume. All right, welcome into the Monday Morning Podcast. And uh, in one of the really most dynamic offensive playoff games I've ever seen, at one point, Jason Timp joining me, Hoops Tonight, great podcast for the volume. At one point tonight, I looked up and Phoenix was shooting 58% and then like 47 from three, and it was a six-point game. <laughs> I thought, this isn't sustainable. I mean, give me a break. But you know what? It's, it's, I want to throw this at you, Jason, is that um, – and I think this is a benefit of the NBA. Very few controversial NFL players, very few controversial baseball players or soccer players in America. Maybe internationally they are. But in the NBA, there's a lot of drama. Kawhi drama, AD drama, LeBron, Embiid, John Morant, Zion. Um, I mean, even guys who are low-key, Jokic gets involved in an MVP debate. And I've always said the NBA is the great story league. It's got great drama. It's a soap opera. Um, and then there's Devin Booker. Like Chris Paul has a love-hate relationship with fans. So does KD. And Booker goes out. He's Clay Thompson with better handles. Like, chill. He's on one of the great heaters I've ever seen in the history of the playoffs. He's really, a, it, it's very rare because the NBA between shoe sales and social media, um, it, it drums up a ton of stories. And, you know, I know he likes old cars. Like, there's just, <laughs> there's just no story. And I watch him play. And uh, he's got a little bit of an old school thing. He still loves the mid-range jumper, but he can hit the three. He's not like Carmelo where he wouldn't embrace it in his prime. Like he'll move back and shoot it. Um, I mean, as somebody you played basketball, I, again, I think he's more athletic than Clay Thompson with, with a better ball handler. But there is sort of this, I'm just going to show up and do my job. You know, Clay at this point is very hot and cold. He was terrible last game. Great in uh, game two. What do you make of Booker's heater? You know, it's so interesting, Colin, because I think the worst thing that happened to him in his career was that he started averaging 25 points a game pretty early and was on a bad yeah. team. And so he's been averaging, you know, he's been a mid-20s, high-20s scorer who's relatively efficient for a really long time. And so then Chris Paul came to the team and really had nothing to do. Uh, Chris Paul played a, a part of it, but... They just added a lot of talent. They added a lot of veterans. They added DeAndre Ayton. They added Chris Paul. And they started playing in these big playoff games. And everyone just attributes all of the success to the team to everything but Devin Booker. But over the years, despite him reaching that scoring peak early, he's added a lot of things. He's become a much, much better defensive player. He's become an outstanding playmaker and high pick and early at 10 assists again tonight. And like you said, he's just on an all-time great shot-making run right now. And it's been, a, it's been, as we go back in his playoff career, 
he was kind of on a crazy hot shot making run in that 2021 run when they almost won the title. It was Chris yep. Paul that fell apart at the end. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. I think that he's gone under the radar as a as a product of the success of the team around him, but I think he's legitimately in that same list with the guys like Jason Tatum and and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and all those 8 9 10 guys that we put at the top of the league. He's in that tier. He's probably near the bottom of that tier, but he's in that tier. Like he's a bona fide superstar in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable. I still like, you know, I I thought I thought Phoenix, I watched them play the Clippers and I thought, uh, if you could give them um Norman Powell off the bench, you'd be like, "Oh, okay. They need a guy." They need a guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Paul gets hurt. Cameron Payne now inserted in. It's like, now they don't have any guy. <laughs> like, they have no bench. So they're not they're not a championship team. <clears throat> they're just not. I mean, it, it, Boston's going to bring 8-9. Warriors can bring 8-9. Lakers, although I think they have a lot of B players, can give you 8-9 guys. I mean, Phoenix is like six. So, um, and I don't think it's sustainable. You know, I, I told somebody the other day, whoever, I think the Nuggets will win uh, the next two games. And I think what's going to happen is Denver's going to have a 1-0 series lead in the Western Conference Finals because I think they're going to vanquish the Suns here very quickly. And then the Lakers and Warriors, two older teams, are going to go seven. And then one of them, with no rest, flies to high-altitude Denver. (laughs) They're going to get run off the floor in game one. Um, And so Denver's going to have a 1-0 series lead. My takeaway on Denver is they're highly efficient. Jokic is insane. Um, Not every championship team, Jason is great. The Spurs team was mostly um, unappetizing to a lot of the nation. The ratings were really bad in that Cleveland, that early LeBron team against the Spurs. Not every championship team is fascinating. I mean, the Utah Jazz, I liked them, but, you know, there were, you know, the pick and roll. I mean, even Malone wasn't highly vertical. He was kind of a bully around the basket. So would you agree that Denver, though, is going to I think they're going to win the next two games. That's my take here. I think so, too. I mean, you said you said it's not sustainable and that's not an insult, Colin. It's literally impossible. It would be unprecedented in NBA history for Devin Booker to continue to shoot the way he's been shooting. He was 13 for 17 on pull up jump shots in game three. Kevin Durant just had what I thought was the best pull up jump shooting season ever. And he shot 55 percent like the best in the world at that shot make about half of them. And Devin Booker's making like over 75 percent of them. So it is not sustainable. And, you know, the thing is, is as we look back throughout the series, kind of like game two when Nikola Jokic made 14 shots in the paint again tonight, just living in the paint, make some jump shots. He's going to make some jump shots. He made some crazy ones. Yeah. And one over Devin Booker was crazy. Yeah. But there's no doubt that as you look at the shot quality moving forward, Denver gets a little bit better shots that are much more likely to be yes. replicated as we move forward. And they have two of the final three games at home. So that's not to say the Suns can't win. If Devin and KD go into Denver and they shoot the lights out again, yes, they can win the series. But the safer bet is Denver because they're getting better shots and they have home court in what I think is the best home court advantage in the NBA. How great have the NBA playoffs been so far? Miami upsetting the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. How about Warriors? Kings go seven. The Knicks upset the Cavs. If you live in one of those cities and wanted to go to the games, there was only one place to get tickets. The Game Time app. The fastest growing ticketing app in the U.S. For last minute, amazing deals. They don't stop with the NBA. They do baseball, hockey, 
concerts, comedy shows too. Download the Game Time app and use the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Get $20 off your first purchase. 20 bucks off first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app. Use the code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. The Game Time app. All right, let's um, pivot to a, a wildly entertaining series, ugly for most of it. Uh, James Harton uh, carries the Sixers, another absolutely remarkable James Harden game. They're, you know, it's hard to get my arms around what the Sixers are. Uh, between Embiid's health, uh, kind of the roller coaster of Harden at this point in his career, uh, I kind of always know the athleticism I'm going to get from Maxi. Tobias Harris can be a hot, cold score. My takeaway when I watched that game, and, and even if Boston would have won in both regulation and the fourth quarter, or fourth, yeah, fourth quarter and overtime, Boston's last possession. You guys have been playing together for six years. Get it together. <laughs> like everybody can bang on the coach for not calling a timeout, but my takeaway is in that moment with that group, like if Stephen Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins had 11 seconds. I, I wouldn't want the Lakers to be set. They're too good defensively. I'd rather be them. I'd rather have them backpedaling a little bit, kind of looking to the sideline. I generally, if you have a, a veteran team and a rotation you're comfortable with, I wouldn't call a timeout. It, go, it's, it goes back to the uh, years ago, the Seahawks Patriots were in a Super Bowl. It was, it was a real chess match, Pete Carroll and Belichick. And, you know, Belichick's defense, he wouldn't call a timeout. He was like, we know what you're doing. This is why we this is why we agonize over practice. And so the the Celtics and the Warriors are the two teams in the league right now. I'm not calling a timeout. My my experience is my edge. Lakers, a brand new team since the deadline. I'd call a timeout. I'd want to get the ball to AD. Uh even Denver's kind of young. Philadelphia depends on who's healthy and who's hot. So I, this comes down to something. I just there's an apprehension with Boston. I just can't get past. I just, I can't get past it. I do not trust them. You know, games decided by 500 or five points or less. I could be wrong. I think they're now 13 and 14. That doesn't make sense with those guys. Does it? The, the part that drove me crazy about that final possession was them waiting so damn long. Like James Harden made that shot with like 12 <laughs> seconds left. It's a one point game. So if you go down and you miss... You have a chance to foul and, and get and get another opportunity. They basically dribbled the clock out to try to work to a specific switch they wanted on Jason Tatum. They didn't actually start to look to attack until like five or six seconds left. And so, you know, the thing with Boston is I agree with you. They don't really need organization because they have so many good matchups and they're always uh, going to uh, force you to help off of a shooter like Malcolm Brogdon, a wide open three in the left wing at the end of that game that he ended up missing. They're going to generate wide open looks. It's just go quickly. It's the stagnation with Boston that becomes a problem when they dribble up the floor and they just take a contested jump shot or they get the switch they want, but then they stand and they stare around for 10 seconds before they do something. I was so impressed by James Harden in this game because he's he's kind of beating allegations in this playoff run because he's got he kind of has a a reputation for being a player that can right. fade later in series and this was a super unique performance from James Harden because this is at a point in the series where they figured him out right they are forcing him to his right hand every single time 
He had back-to-back at the end of regulation when Joel Embiid was crumbling under Al Horford. Just And Joel made a couple of huge plays in OT, so like including the double-team kick-out to James Harden for the game winner and a little fadeaway over Al Horford. But Horford was completely falling off the face of the earth. Again, uh, Embiid was in that fourth quarter, and James Harden carried them. He had a hard isolation against Jay- Jason Tatum where he got into the lane to his right hand and made a floater. He had a pull-up jump shot on Jalen Brown where he got to his right hand and took a, a and took a jump shot. Like he... He has he has gone to his weakness because that's what the playoffs are about, or forcing you to be uncomfortable, forcing you to do things that make you feel right. uncomfortable. And he is getting he's having success in the weakest areas of his game. And I think a big part of it is him not relying on the step back jump shot from three or not just driving into the teeth of the defense and trying to draw fouls, but taking what the defense is giving him, which is those mid-range shots, the little floaters in the lane, the little pull-up jump shots. I was so impressed by James Harden in this game. And look, like it sucks that he's so inconsistent, but this is what you want from a second star. He doesn't have to be there every night, but he needs to be able to win you a game or two in the playoffs. And Harden's won you two in this series so far. Well, and also a lot of the teams he was on before, he was such a ball centric scoring machine. But by the time he got to the second round of the playoffs, it felt like he was gassed. Whereas Embiid's the MVP. Tobias Harris gives you about every third game. He gives you a big game. Maxi has control of the ball. So it's not as Harden reliant. I mean, they can, he can play poorly and they can win. Maybe not in the playoffs, but in the regular season. So I feel like he's got more energy. I feel like there are times like today. I thought, oh no, he's he's not he's not tired at all. Embiid looked gassed. Oh yeah, it's like Harden didn't. Yeah, Harden didn't look gassed at all. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally. But Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You've the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com.
Toyota, let's go places. All right, now we go to the Lakers Warriors. Um, and let's spend some time on this. You know, I was thinking about um, this series, and when Golden State was playing Sacramento, I felt like they were facing a less talented version of themselves. But they were really looking in the mirror a lot. And that's why I always felt strongly they were going to win the series because they, they kind of knew the next trick. They could kind of guess what was going to happen next. Sacramento's about a wing player away, a Wiggins away from being the Warriors, right? They, they have some of the same components. But the Lakers are the opposite of the Warriors. Size, great rim protection, AD, a dominant, big um, length inconsistent shooting, sometimes poor shooting, undrafted players um, bounce around the league guys. They don't have the cohesion. You know, they're a trade deadline team. I'm like, they're the opposite of the Warriors. And I think there are times in this series, I feel like the Warriors are a little flummoxed. They're not this is like it's like in boxing facing a left-handed boxer you're like i know i'm better than him but i don't have a sparring partner that's a lefty i've never faced a lefty and i just feel like to me the warriors feel they can't quite make up their mind do they do they want to challenge the lakers or at the rim or are they just going to do pull-ups now they went back to kind of attacking the rim a couple of times and i'm like guys it's not going to work AD's as good a defender as the league have. That's not going to work. So I, I don't feel the same way um, I did with Sacramento, where I felt kind of this kind of hovering confidence. Like they're going to figure out, even though they'd been a bad road team, they solved that fast. But I do think Kerr will make adjustments. But boy, there are moments in this series, they look small and and frustrated. Is that is that they look small and frustrated at times? This is a different type of team than any team that we've seen the Warriors play really in this entire era. When you factor in the combination of their interior size and the offensive skill that they have around them. Uh, here's a crazy stat for you, Colin. Uh, the Lakers have won five postseason games this year, shooting below 30% from three. So uh, like they, you're absolutely right. They could not be more different than what this Warriors team is. I think, I think this series has been such uh, this entire playoff run has been such a, uh, uh, I think Darvin Ham has been so incredibly impressive. He's hit a bunch of the right notes. I thought he made a bunch of key adjustments in game six against Memphis, shrinking the rotation to the correct eight guys, tweaking his coverage of Desmond Bain. It, it, was, it was a masterclass. And then you go into this series and it's, Game one, we knew the Warriors were going to throw their fastball, which was all their off-ball stuff with their main lineup. And Darvin Ham just top-locked all the shooters, funneled everybody into the paint. It was a disaster. Game two, the predictable adjustment from Steve Kerr. Lots of Steph Curry high pick and roll. Draymond Green kills him in the short roll the entire game. Genius adjustment from Darvin Ham. He puts Jared Vanderbilt onto Draymond Green. And Austin Reeves onto Steph Curry so they can switch the Steph Draymond pick and roll. Now when they bring Anthony Davis into the screen, it's a role man like Jermichael Green or Kevon Looney who's just nowhere near as good at making those decisions in the short roll as Draymond Green is. It's been a masterclass coaching performance from Darvin Ham, in my opinion. You know what's interesting? And this is why I say it's different than any other Warriors uh, opponent in this era. In the past, it used to be that the Warriors would play your best players off the floor. Oh, we're going to play your center off the floor because he's too slow. We're going to play this guard off the floor because right. he can't guard. In this series, the Lakers have been able to keep their core rotation 
And guess what? The Warriors have had to cut way back on Gary Payton's minutes. And they've had to cut way back in Kevon Looney's minutes because of the Anthony Davis problem. We focus so much on superstar offensive players and their ability to overcome anything. Look at what Devin Booker did tonight. Look at what Steph Curry's done throughout his playoff career. Anthony Davis, not single-handedly, but he's carrying the vast majority of this load, is exposing his defensive superpower to slow down this Warriors offense. I think it's been one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a player. This is very different. This is a very different type of challenge. Series is not over. I think the winner of game four wins the series. But man, this is this is definitely going to be a unique challenge for the Warriors. Well, yeah, game game, um, game five and game seven, which are huge games, obviously, deciding game seven or both at Chase Center. The um, It is interesting. I, I did not pick the Warriors to get to the finals. Um, and a lot of it was, I think they've struggled all year to figure out to bridge the old new gap. Now they're not playing Kaminga at all. Uh, Moody's good, doesn't play a lot, but he's actually pretty uh, good. Uh, Jordan Poole is, is just infuriating, but I, I think they need him. My takeaway on this series was the Warriors would win it, but I felt somewhere in the playoffs, whether it was against Jokic or it's against Anthony Davis, or it would be against Embiid, that they would face an offensive-minded center and they just get nothing from their bigs. I mean, when Wiggins was out, Jesus. I mean, they got nothing from anybody but the backcourt for two months. I mean, it was just basically Steph kept him at 500. I mean, it was embarrassing. They had no scoring. So Wiggins gives them, you know, your 15 a game at the wing. But I do think that Bob Meyer and Kerr, out of respect for Curry, everything's going to be, they're going to attain players eventually who are on Steph's timeline. Anthony Davis is on his timeline, right? Bigs that can play. And I'm really interested if they lose this series, they're not going to stand pat. They're just not. And as Looney right now has a reputation that's greater than his game. I mean, he's got no offensive skill. He's a great rebounder. It's like, we can take fewer rebounds. Give me 17 points. Um, If you ran the Warriors as constituted today, and they lost in game six, and it was Anthony Davis that just at the rim protecting it and scoring, where do you go? Because I don't think they stand pat. Where would they go? It's so interesting you asked that because I was texting a buddy of mine who covers the Warriors the other day. And uh, for the record, do not think this series is over. Would not be the least bit surprised if Golden State won game two and won the series. This is not over. But in the hypothetical scenario where the Warriors lose, what I would do is I would retain your one, two, three. So I would keep Steph, Clay Thompson, and Andrew Wiggins. And then I would go all in on the front line with size and athleticism. And then I'd run a more traditional offense that you see around the NBA where you rely more on Steph Curry and high pick and roll. It's just the way that the game has been set up. That's where you can have a ton of success these days, especially when you've got shooting and athleticism around you. And Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson are great at that specifically. Too often, they've had to rely on being gimmicky to overcome their size issues no question and 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 it's yeah. worked like like we're not being critical they've what they have four titles but you know as as players start to age out just a little bit and their effectiveness starts to slide just a little bit it's time to potentially try something different and in that scenario i'd go all in on steph clay and wiggins mainly too from an asset standpoint like clay at this phase in his career is going to be tough to get like value for right andrew yeah. wiggins is one of the most important types of players you can have on an nba roster like a legit 20 point per game score that can guard the other team's best player 
Steph, I think, is absolutely has at least two or three more years as a peak-level superstar. Then you start to look down the roster, and it's like Jordan Poole, like him or hate him, he's at least an asset that you probably can get some 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 value out of. So that I would I would definitely look to bolster the front court with just a ton of size and athleticism. Get Steph a real vertical spacing threat so he can actually run. You know, you mentioned Anthony Davis. He might not be attainable, but somebody that can do some of like, like a poor man's version of him that can play traditional drop coverage and protection and be a vertical spacing threat like that would be the direction that I'd look to go if they did choose to rebuild. So it was interesting. LeBron didn't score a single point uh, in that game. And it was, uh, and, and we both, we've discussed this kind of ad nauseum that he really lets the game come to him. Um, and, and by the way, he should, he kind of waits for it. And so then he turns the, the jet, you know, the jets on later in games and crucial situations. And it's, it's like a really, it's like a, it's like a boxer with a knockout punch. Who's at the end of his career he just lets the fight come to him. And then the other guy gets worn down sixth round. He kind of seizes it seventh round goes for the knockout. Um, but it's interesting with LeBron that this series, I thought it was a real problem after game one, they get one day rest. So they're back on the court tomorrow. Do you foresee any problem? Game four, game five, game six, game seven, and I'm watching LeBron the other night, and I'm like, I know what he's doing here. He's waiting for the moment. <laughs> we got, we may have four more of these things. <laughs> Would you be concerned if you were Darvin Ham about? I don't know how much can I get out of him. I got we got four games in eight days potentially. That's just he's not Jason. That's just not what he's. That's not what he is now. I mean, it, that, to me, this series comes down to the Lakers will absolutely will win if they get two more defensive efforts like what they had in game three. And, you know, LeBron James, there was a timeout after a that nasty Andrew Wiggins dunk and then Steph Curry got a three on an offensive rebound put back where they got it back to 12. And after that timeout, LeBron really engaged himself athletically and started blocking shots, getting out in transition. You know, his he doesn't quite have the same first step that he usually has, probably a byproduct of the foot injury, which is a byproduct of his age, right? His jump shot has kind of failed him in a lot of different ways in this postseason run. Yeah. It's kind of it's highly unusual, but it is what it is. However, next to what Anthony Davis is doing and what Jared Vanderbilt is doing, if LeBron James engages himself as a rebounder. And as a defender and pushes in transition when he can, when he can't, that's all they need from him. That's all they need. That's how good this team is defensively. They don't need him to be 35 point per game, historical playoff LeBron. They just need him to be engaged defensively. Now you said, should Darvin Ham be worried? That's the thing. We have seen this throughout this playoff run and really throughout the entire season, the Lakers struggle to maintain their effort level. I would not be surprised in the slightest yes. if, uh, if a uh, game four was, much closer, or if the Warriors held a decent-sized lead throughout, it's it, it, the, the Lakers struggle to maintain that defensive intensity, but it's really that simple to me. If they can get two more performances like that, they can win the series. Game four, I expect to be super close. Game five, I, I think Golden State would win nine times out of ten. And then game six, back home in crypto, if you get that 3-2 lead at that point, LeBron was excellent in the closeout game against Memphis. He smells blood in the water and he summons the necessary energy that he needs. Everything comes down to game four for me. You know, it's interesting. This is sort of feeling like the bubble year. Anthony Davis was healthy and dominant. Anthony Davis now is on a long streak of healthy and dominant. LeBron was out of his prime, but could be dominant in spurts. There were several players, KCP1, D'Lo here, 
big shot makers, but you always kind of feel like they're not part of the future, right? Then you have like, I mean, when I, I always like KCP, I, Rich Paul and I talked about this. He was never afraid to take a big shot, like ever. Didn't always love his selection, but I loved his effort. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell, same thing. He's, he's always willing to take a shot, but I don't think they're going to sign him for a long-term deal. Um, and the West that year was weird. Veteran teams, you know, dovetailed in the postseason in the bubble. They missed their wives and their friends and their kids. And this year's weird. I mean, the Clippers were weird. Uh, Denver's a, a unique team. Um, I mean, Golden State had from the punch <laughs> to the t- abysmal road performance. Milwaukee lost in the first um, round. <laughs> Chris Paul's now out. KD trade. Um, it's it is I, I, I that bubble team. Even though you know, if you go back to the bubble, and I don't remember it specifically, but I can remember. AD really being dominant at times. And at times for the first time ever, LeBron like kind of liking it. In fact, I mean, do you remember that bubble where it was the first time ever LeBron was in a championship level thing and was very comfortable dropping the ball low and and observing. Um, I think I think LeBron, one of his assets, I think he's very comfortable. I think deep down he knows AD on both ends of the floor right now, is a better player more consistently than I am. And I think LeBron's okay with it. I, he's always been he's always been a great teammate. Do you think he knows that? Not only is he okay with it, he's been begging for this for years. That was the whole reason why like he like he that's what he wanted Kyrie to be. That's what he's been wanting Anthony Davis to be. You know, I I do think this team is actually a little bit better defensively than the 2020 Lakers with their core lineup. They're not as deep because Dwight Howard was so important off the bench for them, but it's the Jared Vanderbilt piece. They never really had a real athletic forward that could defend the way Jared Vanderbilt could. I thought that Laker team had slightly better guard defenders, but also Anthony Davis, I think, is on a defensive run that even he couldn't reach in 2020. The thing that the difference is, and the reason why, like I was incredibly confident that that 2020 Lakers team was going to win. I, they started the season 24 and three. I believed in their defense. I believed in LeBron. I, I thought they were going to win. The biggest fear for and me, Miami, Miami was a bunch of kids. For like, sure. That, that was a, I thought I was surprised it was competitive early. They were just, they were out of their element. For sure. And, and, and they, it, I, they actually went through some tougher competition in the Western Conference. I thought like that Nuggets team was pretty good. The Lakers were just clicking at a high level. Yeah. Uh, that Houston team that was really weird that played a five out, you know. Um, but specifically what, what scares me with this Lakers team is they just don't have close to the same offensive ceiling as that 2020 Lakers team, even though that 2020 Lakers right. team was known as being, you know, somewhat clunky offensively, simply because LeBron James was operating at a much higher level offensively in that playoff run. Yep. Like he was giving you 40 in the finals. Like it, like if I, if I told you, what are the odds that LeBron's going to get 40 tomorrow? You'd be like extremely low. Oh, like it's just, it's just, it, he just doesn't right. seem to have that burst. And then Anthony Davis was on such a jump shooting run in that 2020 bubble. He was making everything out of the post. Like he was Kevin Durant. I think he shot like 50 something percent on pull up jump shots in that playoff run. So like, as, as much as I enjoy this Lakers team, I do think they have a slightly higher defensive ceiling with their best lineups because of Jared Vanderbilt. And they have a little bit more flexibility and they do have more offensive skill in the backcourt, but you win with superstars in the playoffs. And I'm, I'm just a little concerned with the up and down nature of LeBron and Anthony Davis offensively. That doesn't mean they can't win it, but I view them as more just in the pack. Whereas to me, that 2020 Laker team was head and shoulders above everybody else. 
Jason Timpf, Hoops Tonight, such an important part of uh, the volume. His stuff's all over YouTube. Uh, really breaks it down like I don't think anybody else does in this space. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'll pass on discussing the Knicks and the Heat. I, I don't even know how Miami – Miami's not even playing well. That's what's amazing. They're not even – I mean, they're really not playing extraordinarily well. And I look up and I'm like, Cody Zeller's on the floor and Max Struess and Jimmy Butler's not. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that this week when we're on again. But as always, buddy, uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Colin. See you next time, man. The Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.